Hey everyone, welcome to Mark My Words, the only podcast for independent paint and hardware retailers. I'm your host, Mark Lipton. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hey everybody, uh, with me on my podcast today is Tim Bowling. Tim is the owner of Hoover Paint. They're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, just outside of Nashville. Tim has eight stores. Uh, he grew up in the business. His father retired uh, a number of years ago and, and left with one store. And Tim has grown the business up to its uh, current situation. And they continue to find uh, success in their market and they're looking for uh, ways to grow. They have a really diverse business. DIY has become uh, a little bit more important to them recently, but uh, he's about 70% uh, professional painter. Uh, he's got five sales reps out on the road just selling architectural products and another sales rep selling specialty coatings. So Tim is really strong in his market and he's doing some really interesting things well. Uh, we talk about e-commerce, we talk about the effects of the coronavirus on uh, his business, and we talk about where uh, Hoover Paint is looking to be in the future. So give a listen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm here with Tim Bowling. Tim is a, uh, a retailer in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Hoover Paint. Tim, thanks very much for joining me today. How are you? Great, great. Glad to be with you. And and so uh, Hoover Paint is eight stores. You're you're just outside of the Nashville market. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, history getting into the paint business? In 1956, a Mr. J.T. Hoover opened up Hoover Paint Store here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. My dad at the time was a paint salesman for Porter Paint Company, which was finally acquired by PPG. Yeah, I remember that about ten years ago, maybe right? Yeah. Uh, probably longer than that. But wow. In uh, 1962, my uh, father bought the business from Mr. Hoover and was wanting to get off the road. And so he just decided to leave the name Hoover. And consequently, we're still Hoover Paint Store today. Uh, growing up in the business, like a, a lot of our fellow retailers today, uh, worked through high school and through college and once I graduated, I decided just to stick with the business and have been here ever since. And you guys had one store at the time that you got into it. We did, yes, sir. And so something about you made you want more. How did you, uh, uh, how long did it take you to get up to eight from when you first got in at one? Well, probably in the uh, late 70s, uh, maybe early 80s, we opened up a location in a, a town about 13 miles from here called Smyrna, Tennessee. And um, then in the uh, mid-90s or so, we had the opportunity, had a young man working here that was ready to either move on somewhere else or looking for an opportunity. We had a market open in uh, uh, Brentwood, which is a suburb of Nashville. And so we opened up a store there and put him over there as manager. And uh, he's still with me today as the wow. manager of that store, wow. super employee. And so we were kind of that way for up until about 2015. We'd been primarily exclusively a Porter Paint, then a PPG dealer. Around 2015, we took on Benjamin Moore in our main location and then the Brentwood location. The um, That same year, we had a fellow... Porter dealer 
wanting to retire. And uh, so I purchased his business and then he stayed on to work for me part time for, well, actually up until just beginning of this COVID Mm-hmm. issue is when he finally decided to retire he had had enough he didn't want to go he, through another tragedy <laughs> he did he didn't want to go enough but uh, it's where he's a great guy great man uh, we rent the building from him so it's it's worked out really well so then in 2019 we purchased another location that hit a dealer had opened and it had to close it and um, we purchased it and then just the first of this year we opened up uh, another location as well. And so now at this point, you guys are uh, Benjamin Moore in all those stores? Or are you still Porter in PPG? What exactly is your setup there? We have two stores now that we opened up as exclusive Benjamin Moore locations. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two locations that are pretty much exclusively PPG, although one of those we have put the Coronado line in. And the others have both PPG and Benjamin Moore. Mm-hmm. And 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 so tell me a little bit about how those uh, stores are set up. What is the the customer uh, that you're gunning for? I suspect at least on the PPG stores, there's probably a, a heavy commercial or industrial uh, component of that business. It, it is, and you know, it will vary a little bit by store. Each location kind of is a slightly different mix. We have a couple locations that are pretty heavily uh, commercial business, whether that is um, painters or cabinet shops. We do quite a bit in the uh, cabinet market as far as selling finishes into cabinets. Right. And then we've got a couple locations that are a little bit more heavily retail. And so it breaks down. Overall, it's probably the standard industry, 70, 30. We may be, we're probably at this point because we've picked up so much of some commercial type business, we've probably actually skewed that up to a little bit more like 80, 20. Right. And, and so tell me the effect on, so if you're, if you're heavily dependent on the contractor segment, uh, I, I find that a lot of retailers that are have really struggled during the COVID outbreak because that segment has struggled a little bit more than the DIY. Is that affecting you guys as well? It did. And it, it was, is two, two, as far as painters, kind of two areas. You have the new home construction market, which for us has stayed strong. Really haven't seen any uh, issue with COVID to speak of in that in that field. But the repaint business, definitely a lot of the guys lost jobs that people just didn't want them coming in their houses working. And so they've slowed up from that end. Right. And, and then, of course, you, as you said, you pick up some retail business where retail consumers have been maybe doing a little bit more painting than normal this season. Right. Because they're stuck in the house and so they might as well make the place look good. And I suspect the issue with the new construction is that, uh, in, uh, painting contractors are able to socially distant distance themselves and, and they're not in somebody's home. And so a lot of the, the health concerns are, are really taken away uh, on new construction. So if that's a big part of your business, I, I suspect that's why it hasn't been affected all that badly. That sounds good. Probably, probably, honestly, more the reality is is we've gotten more people that ignore the concerns of COVID. Right. Interesting. And and so that's I was going to ask you about that. How are things in Tennessee as we're recording this? It's uh, it's uh, what is today? July 20th. 20th. Right. And so how are things in Tennessee right now? Are businesses open? Are you able to uh, walk around, do sort of ordinary business or are there restrictions? What's the status down there as it relates to the COVID outbreak? 
it's close to business as normal. Uh, it's modified. Of course, the industries like the restaurant industries with the typical restrictions that right. they're doing on cutting back some. The the number of new cases has gone up and is continuing to go up. They're trying to stress the uh, the need for everybody to wear masks. Um, that's that's a whole hot topic. Yeah, um, you've got everybody that's varies on that. And as a retailer, uh, think- I'm curious, Tim, how do you uh, how do you balance the need to on the one hand you want to keep your employees and your customers safe, but on the other hand, uh, you don't want to set up barriers to entry. Uh, literally, this would be a barrier to entry, like you can't come in without a mask uh, in an area where there have been uh, obviously a lot of of Americans who have expressed some apprehension about wearing a mask. Well, absolutely. Of course, um, you know, we went through like what most people did where we were curbside service for a little while. Right. Probably about four or five weeks, something like that, maybe six. But uh, now that we're back open and consumers are coming in, I am requiring my employees to put masks on if a consumer comes in with a mask on. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraging in my employees to wear them all the time. Yeah. But I am not firing anybody if they don't. And that's basically, we had one employee said they'd have to fire me if they made me put a mask on. Right. And, and so there's, there's different schools and thoughts on if the local governments can require the mask use, uh, or, or not. And so at this point, we're trying to stress the need to be socially responsible and put a mask on, but you have some people that just refuse to for whether it's a true medical condition or if it's a, um, political or some other type of statement some other statement and it's such a complicated situation for a retailer to be in because in in reality all you want is for people to be safe and healthy and get the heck in and out of here fast with a couple of gallons of paint under their arms you know you're not looking to make any sort of political statements you know not with your business Correct. anyway what you Correct. do with your personal life obviously is your business right Correct. But 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 Hoover painted it. We're we're just here to sell you paint. We don't we don't really care about all those other things. That's right. And and so with that policy in place, have you been able to keep your uh, employees healthy and working during this whole time? Yes. Oh, good for you guys. Yeah. And and so tell me, what was the effect? Uh, now we're we're sort of possibly coming into an area where you you might see it spike up in uh, Tennessee from what you just shared. But what was the effect of sort of the first uh, run through uh, the economy of the coronavirus? Uh, what was the effect on Hoover Paint? The initial effect from the commercial standpoint was a a big surge in business where people were afraid we were going to close. And they wanted to get material. Right. Uh, after that sort of died off, and then particularly when you got into the, let's say, the curbside, we were still able to process the basic paint orders. But when people can't come in the store, they can't see all those other little sundry items that you're wanting to sell them. Yeah. And so even if you're selling that gallon of paint, maybe that ticket sale is not where you would normally like to have it because you're not getting all those other uh, types of add-on sales with it. And not just the the ticket amounts have come down, but but the profitability has to have come down as well because the brushes, the rollers, the drop claws, the pieces of sandpaper that you're adding to a gallon of, of Aura or Manor Hall, uh, that's where you're making your money, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so how have you uh, replaced that business? How have you replaced that profitability uh, during this pandemic? Have you been able to at all? 
The the lost sales, no, you, 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 we haven't regained that yet. Um, you know, it, things are starting to return back closer to normal now. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. And with people coming into your stores, obviously that will hopefully, uh, y- you know, affect some of the other things. Obviously they're buying paint, but hopefully they're buying the brushes and, and rollers to go with that, uh, obviously. And that should bring your, ho- hopefully your ticket size and your profitability back up to a more normalized amount. Right, right. And and so you said that you were handling uh, curbside pickup. How were you doing that? Do you have an e-commerce platform in place? What was your strategy for that? No, that was the old-fashioned call it in and show up, and we'll bring it out for you. Wow, uh, we're working. Uh, we're you know we've got the t- traditional website that most retailers have had a static website for years. Yep. We're in the process of upgrading that to get to a. A, a more efficient e-commerce site, which is going to be critical moving forward. And so tell me a little bit about your plans there, because I know that this is on a lot of retailers' minds. Uh, what exactly are you uh, considering doing? I know your circumstances are a little different than others. If I'm not mistaken, you have a uh, sort of like a one-off for a POS system. Is that correct? That is correct. Right. And uh-huh. so you had done that yourself. And, and so now that's what you're trying to integrate with a, uh, with some sort of e-commerce platform. Yes. Um, we will build the, actually I have somebody building the e-commerce site. I'm not doing that. And then we will work on integrating the, the two at some point. The, um, we'll give you an example. Last week, uh, we were actually talking to some friends about how to do a particular project. Um, and, Next day or later, they were in getting some paint, and they just had to min- just made the comment, yeah, they had stripped the table they were working on. He had gone online and ordered him uh, some stripper and had stripped it down. Yep. It's just an example how people, when they're sitting at home at 7 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, and they think about something, they want to do it, it is so easy to get online, do a couple of little searches, click the buttons, and have the product delivered. And if it's a product that it's not necessarily taking a whole lot of advice service, it is so easy to get it that way. And so that's what we feel like we're going to continue to see. That's going to grow and grow and erode into the traditional um, brick and mortar type of business. There's still going to be a need for the paint store that's going to have the person there at the counter with the expertise and whatnot. But we know we're going to lose a segment of that business if we can't do something to compete in the e-commerce channel. And what's interesting to me about e-commerce, of course, there's much more to it uh, than than just being able to conduct the the individual sales, right? It's, it's more than just the commerce portion of it. Uh, it's a robust website as well, because the numbers are staggering. Think about how small the percentages of people are that would find Hoover Paint without first looking online, right? I mean, most people that decide that they need a gallon of paint, they need a, uh, they, they want to start considering colors for the outside of their houses. The first thing they're going to do is reach into their pocket, pull out their phone, and they're going to Google closest paint store to me. Or, or something like that, right? And so even if those people ultimately end up walking into your stores and making a purchase, they've still uh, found you, so to speak, online. Absolutely. And, and that's the whole thing from an e-commerce standpoint. We're looking to serve our local markets. We're, we're not looking to think that we're going to sell product uh, in New York. 
uh, or somewhere else across the country. We're just wanting to to get those consumers in our back doors. Right. And and so how is it, what exactly is your uh, plan for doing that? Uh, so you're obviously going to build some sort of, of platform that can uh, manage the actual transactions. How are you going to uh, have people find you uh, either in your brick and mortar stores or, or online? What, what is your plan for getting word out? Well, I hope there's people that know more about it than what I do, but uh, that are going to be working on that. And part of that is is incorporating uh, your your SEO and then social media yep. and trying to get social media that uh, we can start trying to drive uh, name recognition. And then hopefully from name recognition, it will be easier from the uh, – search point to to locate us right and you know one of the things that i've shared with retailers a number of times and you and i have talked a little bit about this you know that i'm working on this uh e-commerce solution for uh for retailers and the the social media uh component of it in my opinion is is just enormous tim because the large manufacturers don't have any ability see they have all the the money and the talent to put all of the e-commerce in place that they have to and they can even put on top of that some social media uh, but they are not going to be able to walk into Murfreesboro, Tennessee and and find the individual painters and turn them into a little social network and have them and the uh, consumers that are in that town that are interested in paint and the designers that are in that town that are interested in paint. They're not going to be able to uh, turn them into a little uh, social media network uh, and use them to uh, to. Uh, market their stores in a way that you can do this because these people you know who they are they're your existing customers yes if if you're willing to to learn some basics on some of that technology and to be able to uh, to push through with it right and is this something that you're plan on you're planning on learning yourself or are you planning no. on subbing that out right subbing that out yeah and even though you obviously are are not afraid of doing projects like this yourself you you wrote your own uh point of sale software and it's successfully running eight stores so you obviously did a good job but there's something different about about social media right it's it's really it something is. that you need a it, it's yep. it's a specialty yes yeah it, it, it is and then a flair it takes uh sort of an artistic flair too i think right to to create content that uh is engaging to people well thank you tim i'm gonna take that as a compliment you were speaking directly to me right there and talking about how engaging my content was right yeah that's yeah. how i heard it anyway that's that's right that's exactly right terrific and and so uh how long do you think it'll be until you have uh an e-commerce platform in place and how long have you been working on it we started with this company probably six weeks ago eight weeks ago mm -hmm. probably contract with them just a few weeks before we before i talked with you on some things actually right and uh, so they're doing a first round of some branding for us, and we're looking at some different products mix, and we're kind of working on that now on our end from a product mix standpoint on what we want to put on there. We're shooting, my guess is, September to October. Right. I hope to have something. 
Right. And what do you what do you feel, Tim, is the most important stuff that you want to get up there? What's your plan with what comes first? Well, it's probably like everybody else. We're going to get the basic paint products out there and then trying to pull some of the better sundry products that people need to uh, to go along with that. Right. And 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 talk to me a little bit about how you're going about the business of identifying somebody who can help you with the social media, because that's something that are, a lot of retailers are going to be facing in the coming months. Well, we're, we're kind of in the process of re-stepping on that. I had a, a young lady working for me that was doing a really, really good job with that. And um, and she uh, started a, a young family and so we're happy for her. She's she's at home right now and is currently not working. And right. Don't know that she will be back, and so we may be turning that over. And it's like a lot of us that had kids, young kids in the business that are in other professions. You might lean on them a little bit before I actually go off and hire a separate marketing firm just for that. Right, because this is something, listen, you could spend all the money you want to put up a terrific e-commerce site, but if you're if you're not doing some sort of digital marketing to drive people to these sites, they're they're not going to work. Correct. Right. The sites need to be engaging. They need to uh, offer lots, lots of options for inspiration and and even other options. People want to be able to comment on products. People want to be able to review products. And, and all of those things are important. And th- those are all things that that Google and the other search engines identify as activity on your site and and come to make you as sort of a, a of a local expert, you know. Yeah, that the you know it's interesting on the review issue that that's one of the things we sort of talked about it a little, but we haven't gone back and dealt with that on how much you want to incorporate that into the site or not. Yeah, well, these are all really complicated questions, and I think retailers are going to be learning a lot about e-commerce uh, over the coming you know weeks, months, and and even years. I I don't think that this is an issue that's going away. Uh, my own sense is that somewhere in the neighborhood of you know ultimately twenty percent, probably when this coronavirus outbreak is over, uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty percent of your business uh, is is going to be uh, online, fifteen to twenty percent of your business is going to be online, uh, in my view. But even beyond that, the numbers are staggering. The percentage of business that just starts with a Google search, that just starts with some sort of search or inspiration online. So even though they're a sort of a traditional consumer uh, of paint and they want to walk into your store, they like to feel the brushes, they like to see the samples, they like to bring their, uh, you know, their, their fabric samples in and put them up against the paint. But in reality, even even though that's their how they like to handle uh, their shopping experience, they're still finding you based on what Google says. Well, absolutely. But then take that to another step too. To with our typically most independent retailers are going to say they've got great service and they've got trained employees. Nowadays, the consumer can sit there with their phone do a little bit of research and they can have more product knowledge at right. their hand right. than what the clerk is behind the counter. Right. And one of the things that concerns me for independence uh, moving forward is that, you know, we've always, all of us have always claimed that our survival in the marketplace is partially uh, uh, partially attributed to how well we service uh, our our customers. But the truth is that now, service when you consider how high the percentages of people that start their purchase process 
just by shopping, just by looking online, and that number is probably in excess of 85% at this point, right? And when you when you think about that, that person is defining service as whatever Google says services or whatever Bing or whatever Siri or whoever they're using says service is, right? Because they're never going to get a chance to understand whether or not you do provide special or unusual services unless Google has said you do, because if you don't have a good number, if you don't get the attention of the search engines, you're not going to be able to uh, get people to walk into your stores, right? There's yep. no more yellow pages to, uh, that people are looking in, right? They're looking online. If, they want, if you want them to come in, you have to have some sort of presence online or they're not going to come in. Absolutely. Agree with that 100%. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit. You had mentioned earlier that you have uh, some some specialty coatings business. You do some lacquer business and industrial products as well? Yes. Um, uh, lacquer industry, you know, cabinet shops, millwork companies, uh, some specialty furniture fixture type companies like that. Right. And, service in this area. And how do you go about finding them? Dedicated sales rep. Just for uh, the lacquers and the industrials? Yep, just for product finishes. And then, you know, with, with your store, with our stores that have carried some of these type products for years and years, uh, you kind of learn the shops. Uh, some of them will eventually come to you. Even if they're buying somewhere else, they'll come in for a special match. And right. so we try to be able to convert and take that information that we get at the counter and pass that along to our rep to uh, to follow up to turn that into a an ongoing customer and not just doing a one-off match for them. And so do you have reps then that cover the architectural side as well or do you just have uh, just the reps that handle the specialty products? No, we've got um, five other reps. So you have six reps total? Yep. For eight stores. And so how many of them are handling uh, uh, architectural products versus the specialty coatings? The five do primarily architectural and then some limited industrial stuff. If there's an industrial area for their particular market, they'll do it. And then I've got the one rep that all he's doing. He fo focuses exclusively on the product finishes. And and so how important are the reps in your business? Are they, uh, I know retailers have has sort of gone both ways with reps. Have, have, have the uh, reps that you have working for you, have they carried the load for you? We sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's well, if you don't know, I'm Tim, we got a I'm problem. Gonna take an I'm going to take advertising out and, and see if it works. Right. <laughs> um, no, because, you know, they've got to be out there driving, driving the business in. I mean, you know, we find a lead. Uh, it's them that are personally contacting the customers. It's the it's them driving down the street and seeing a, a painter car stop somewhere that they're stopping and talking to them. Um job potentials you know if somebody calls says we're thinking about redoing this roof and you know it's okay we send a rep out to do it so they're a critical part of the business um to bring to bring business in and keep it going right no question about that and and what can the stores do to help the uh, reps identify uh leads and and sales opportunities do you guys uh do any sort of training with the managers and the reps so that they can support each other in that way Yes, and, and our counter staff as well. So that way they're taking any type of lead generation they may get uh, is passed on. Anytime they set up a new account, 
Uh, it could be just a consumer or whatever. But then, you know, we're weekly going through that data and then funneling information to the reps to to follow up. So we could have a painter come in to buy a paintbrush and they set him up a uh, cashing account. Uh, rep will know about that the next week and we'll be following up with that customer. Right. And and so that's how you keep your sales reps on the road uh, busy with leads and, and keep the call the keep the calls that they're making warmer rather than colder, which obviously theoretically gets you better responses, right? Right, right. But they've got it, you know, they've got a certain amount they've got to get out here and cold call for sure. Right. Yeah. That's we want to sort of take advantage of any leads that we have. Yeah. Cold calling is the tough part of the job. You know, it's I did a lot of it when I was a, a rep myself when my father was still in the business. And you have to be a certain personality to be able to hear no as often as a cold caller hears no to uh, uh, to be able to keep going out anyway, you know, even after you've heard it a, a bunch of times, because cold calling is a tough business. It's it's more about uh, making sure that you're out there uh, to hear no 97 times just so you can get your three yeses, you know? Absolutely. Well, and, and we call it getting the right person in the right seat on the bus. Right. And you've got some people that are naturally going to be able to get out there and do that, and, and they would be like a, uh, a tiger in a cage if you put them behind a sales counter. At the other hand, we've got people that are great inside behind a sales counter, but they would do terrible out making sales calls. So right. just trying to, to utilize people in the in their best uh, capabilities as possible. Right, right. And and so tell me, uh, what is the future hold for uh, Hoover Paint? You're up at eight stores. You've you've put on a number of them fairly recently. Are you still in an expansion mode? What's your status? We're looking to grow. Yeah. And, 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 and number one is growth in our stores, our current stores. Right. Um, our next focus will be seeing where the e-commerce is going to go. Uh, if something opens up that we have another potential to open up a physical store, we'll look at it. Um, we're not in a position that we've just got to go out and find a place and open a store. Right. Um, so we, we kind of look at our staffing at times and see, do we have somebody that's ready to become a manager in that market because that's that is so critical when you open up a new location the easiest thing is to go out find a, some real estate sign a deal and put some product in it and that's easy that's easy um, right so the hard part is getting the right person to manage it and then getting out to build the business in the market well we're getting down to the end of our time uh tim bowling uh from hoover paint in murfreesboro tennessee i have to admit i'm having a little trouble saying that uh Thank you for your time today. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to get in there, Tim? No, I, I think uh, I think that's pretty good. I, I do. I, there is one other thing I want to yeah. say. Yeah, I think as independents, we all are interdependent on each other as far as an industry goes, because when when people get used to buying from a national uh, outlet, it's easy when they go somewhere else to go to that national outlet. If they get burned at a local paint store. It, it's easy when they go somewhere else to lump us all in together. So it, it's kind of like uh, tide rises all ships. Yep. Uh, we're an industry that it's as a member of All Pro. It's great to see other dealers all over the country that are really being successful, and we can all do it and be successful in slightly different ways. But learning from each other, and one thing is is paying attention to to opportunities that you have to learn, such as listening to a podcast, uh, reading a blog, or something that sometimes you can pick up one little tip here or there and uh, 
and apply it and can it help your business. And, and hopefully we can all help each other's business. Well, I, um, I hope grow. the blog you're talking about was mine. And I hope, I hope that the one tip you were talking about came from me. And, and if not though, then I will tell you, uh, Tim, I'm, I'm a believer in what you just said. Uh, retailers should all be talking to each other. The, the best part in my view of being in all pro when, when I was, when I had my stores, uh, the best part of being an all pro was always the meetings uh, and the amount of information that I got from those two meetings a year. Uh, of course, saving money was great. And of course, you know, you get an extra 90 day terms and all these other things that the vendors throw at you. And that was all wonderful. But the most important part of those shows to me was what I learned from other retailers around yeah, the United States. Yep, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing a much better job than I am, and I and I always wanted to uh, I always wanted to talk to them. Absolutely. Well, uh, Tim Bowling, Hoover Paint of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time with me today and for sharing your story with my listeners. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good talking to you, Mark. Take All care, right, Tim. Be well. So that's our episode for today. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Mark My Words podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lipton, and you can hear this podcast. You can like, subscribe, review this podcast at the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Blueberry, or on Stitcher.